everybody. I'm Jill. And this is Melissa. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. everybody. Yay. How are you, Mel? I'm good. I'm good. You know, living the dream, living the dream house, house fantasy league going. Not as fun as last week. My powers seem to have dissipated a bit. Bummer. Yeah. However, I didn't lose any money. I didn't gain any money. But you know, neutral is not bad. <laughs> neutral is not bad. I mean, I'm still in last place, but it's okay. I, you know, I didn't lose money. I feel better. I have more options next week. So <laughs> that's a future that's you all problem. That means. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, it was funny because I actually got quite lucky. I had a couple of drivers who did extremely well. And had I not fallen asleep during practice, I might have actually done better. So, (laughs) yeah. Okay. To be fair, the race was in Japan and it was airing at really weird times. So lockdown for fantasy was like late Saturday night. So I put on qualifying after a very long day. And intending to, or not qualifying, excuse me. Practice. I was rewatching practice. Yes, I was rewatching practice last night to before qualifying, lockdown went in, all the things, right? And I fell asleep because I was very tired, very tired. And I had all the drivers, I didn't have a team. So if you don't have every piece of the lineup set, you don't get to pick what they call a star driver. And your star driver gets you double points. I had somebody who I would have gotten over 300 points for. And because I didn't have a team, I couldn't pick him as a star driver. Star driver, And uh, I missed out on a lot of points. But again, I'm looking this at this as a win because um, I didn't lose any money, which is what I have been doing from the beginning of the season. <laughs> just bleeding out money. Okay. <laughs> so I'm good. I'm happy. Baby steps, baby, baby, baby steps. Baby steps. steps. So Uh, I will also say I'm officially on like F1 talk. Heck yes. (laughs) I think I sent you like 15 TikToks. I haven't been on social media because during race, during race weekends, I can't because they air at such odd times. I'm terrified. And I have, I have absolutely ruined races for myself. So I just go on a blackout. I don't open it all. Like I'm in group chats for the F1 league. And there are some people in our, in our group who are very dedicated and good for them because they will get up at three o'clock in the morning and they will watch the race live. But I can't, I can't do that. So I will watch the recording. Now there are other people in our fantasy league who will basically just watch the, uh, the highlights and that's fine. Um, mostly I, I just, I sent you one about ranking all of the drivers merch. <gasps> oh my god I wish I had seen this because I would love okay because a lot of them is shit mm-hmm. and, but there's a few that's great so the other Japanese driver I'm not thinking of his name 
Did you mean the Chinese driver? Chinese driver, excuse me. Yes, Zhou Guanyu. Yes. Uh, his was the bottom because you have to like pay to be able to look at it on his website, and that's asking too much of people. Yep. Uh, and then it was okay. like Max Verstappen. No, it was, oh my gosh, Drives for Haas. Blonde beard had the whole Kevin Magnuson? Correct. He has that one hat. And that is the only thing he has. And then it was Max Verstappen because of all of the orange, which P.S. John was totally fine with all of the orange. I kind of, I mean, there's Dutch orange and then there's McLaren slash papaya orange. There is a difference. Yes. But yeah, I do kind of like it. Yeah. He, John was like, I don't mind the orange. And then it was Lando's. No, then it was Pierre's. Then it was Lando's. And then very importantly, it was Bodice because he has this incredible tote bag with like this pop art. You have to go fucking watch this TikTok. Like just immediately go into your inbox. Don't don't stay on the for you page. Just go into your inbox. And then of course Danny with Enchante. He won, didn't he? He He was the first, wasn't he? he? Yeah. Of course he was. To be fair, before he released Enchante, he actually had a great line. It was called DR3. And I don't know if he discontinued it or if he's just kind of like adding the Enchante line because there are some DR3 pieces in there. And it was the best. Like whoever was designing it was great because I'm sorry. Official F1 merch is crap. I think I said this on the last episode that we... It's terrible. Mm -hmm. But after the last race, which I don't think is aired yet, so I'm not going to say what happens, but I definitely went straight to Etsy and ordered something that I had actually had in my cart for weeks at that point. But I I like to... (laughs) I like a lot of drivers. So I tried to like pull different pieces and not spend all the money at the same time. (laughs) So... I uh, I like I was like okay well this is a good reason he he won a race I'm gonna buy myself his shirt it wasn't his line it was an Etsy one but it was still really good and I will uh, describe it for everyone uh, for the next episode beautiful uh, anyways uh, there was also like Alex Albon had a shirt and it was like very vintage inspired with like his bio on the back that was pretty cool okay there's one that has like the different tracks and kind of a vintage inspired feel I will say nice. as somebody who grew up around motorsports a lot of racing merch is awful yeah awful I did not know you could put that many colors and that many checkered print all together (laughs) at once. Okay, I've got two comments on that. One, I've noticed this trend, and it's not just with F1, it's a lot of things, but it's very 90s reminiscent to me. Okay, when I was a kid, everyone wore these, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. NASCAR shirts, or what is that other dude's name that's like super famous? Um, the other NASCAR guy, not Dale Earnhardt. Jeff Gordon. That guy, that guy. Okay. So everybody was wearing these shirts, right? And they're like, they're, they're compilations of them kind of like all smushed together. I'm sure you, we have actually some international listeners. Exactly what you're talking about. Where it's like, uh, they're drivers, like headshot in a car and check a play. And like, or they're like holding the trophy and like all of this. It's like this big amalgamation of these pictures of them. And it's, it's funny because 
Americans will know exactly what we're talking about because they were fucking everywhere. We have some international listeners, so you may not. So Google it like 90s racing t-shirt or Jeff Gordon merch or something because you'll know what you're talking about. But it's all coming Just, back. We'll put it on our Instagram. Yes. Okay. Go that's exactly Instagram. what we'll We'll do. put it on our Instagram so you yes, can get but, a visual of what this merch looked like. Or, exactly. And it still looks like that. To this day. Well, see, but I don't think it did constantly because it's not just the F1 stuff that's coming back like this. I've seen it for other things as well. It's the whole 90s, 2000s coming back into style trend. Um, so No. Race merch has <laughs> literally looked exactly the same my entire life. Yeah. Entire life. Okay. Well, with that kind of still in the conversation... The other half of that is people like Lewis Hamilton, who takes the whole merch thing and like it's like a fashion statement to him. Yeah. I mean, Ooh, that's a thing. Yeah, his fashion is not my personal taste. Like, good for him. Wear yeah, what you want to wear. It, yeah. It is not my personal taste. It's not mine either, but it's one of those things where you walk out and you like he walks out, not I walk out, he walks out and you're like, Okay, that is somebody who is very intentionally putting on a fashion like display. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like it is very much a did you see that? Yeah, you have ghosties. It's fine. I was just about to say we have ghosts. What on earth? <laughs> My lights just flickered like crazy. <laughs> okay. Well, with that being said, I guess we should get started. Yes. A couple of things that I need to point out. My husband very lovingly pulled me aside. and was like, hey, you said a couple of things that were incorrect on your podcast, which is true and also very fair. Like there's a very big possibility that I'm going to say something wrong or I misunderstood something. Again, I am a newbie F1 fan and Melissa is... I hope, an even newbier mm -hmm. F1 fan. <laughs> so we're going to get shit wrong. I'm not an expert. She's not an expert. So please bear with us, guys. But my husband was super nice about it. So I am going to make some corrections for a couple of the things that we have said previously. Mm -hmm. So um, in our season three episode, we said that Lando won a race. He hasn't actually won a race yet. Won that race. I don't know. And that's the thing. I In my brain, I'm like, it maybe, I feel like he did win something. Maybe he got like full position, like qualifying or I, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it and see where I missed it. So our apologies, but Lando, you should get on that so that I'm not wrong anymore. I asked the Google machine, Bodice mm -hmm. won that race. Not oh, Lando. Okay. My apologies, everybody. Lando I got his. Misspoke. So I think what happened. This was because I I took a lot of those notes for season three. Okay. Here's what happened. I did not understand that when they say they made podium, it oh. meant that they didn't that they were in the top three, and Lando was on the podium. He came in third. Gotcha. So that is where okay. that mistake came from. I'll take ownership Got of it. that. Okay, so that makes sense, which is totally fair because I it took me a while to understand that too. Not a big deal. Now, kind of in conjunction with that. So now we all understand, including myself, podium includes all three. Now, I said that the P in P1, P2, P3 stands for pole. That's wrong. 
its position. So it gets used not just during the championship, it gets used throughout. So again, apologies, that was not correct. So um, here's the thing though, P1 is the pole in qualifying. Yes, okay, yes, you're correct. Okay, yes, again, just misspoke. You are correct. So P1 is pole, but it also is the indicator, the rest of them are position. So it's the indicator of who is where. Now, you can say Max got pole in qualifying. That means Max, Max won first in qualifying. It doesn't necessarily mean he got first in the race. Correct. So just, everyone keep that in mind. When you're talking about pole that is within the race that you are looking at at that moment. Last little bit is probably more of an opinion, but I'm going to give it to my husband anyway, because there was a lot more context behind it than I didn't have previously. Oh God, that's perfect timing. What? We're talking about Williams. Oh. Yeah. He's going to run away now. <laughs> Best historical team. I don't know. What did he just say? Up. Best historical team? Yes, he Isn't did. Isn't he a that's Ferrari a- fan though? He is. He's a massive Ferrari fan. Massive Ferrari fan. He kind of had a bone to pick with us because I said that I described Williams as a feeder team for Mercedes, which is not exactly true. It's not entirely wrong either, in my opinion. Williams is one of the oldest teams, team names in F1, and it has been owned by the Williams family the entire time up until the sale that we saw in the previous season. In 2020. In 2020, yes. So that was kind of a big deal. And I don't think I myself had that context, even when I watched it back then. And I know I didn't give Melissa that context either. So it is... No, they didn't. Yeah. And and that's the thing with Netflix and Drive to Survive, because Mark and I were talking about it earlier today. Like it very much... like. It leaves pieces out that you don't understand. And he was also trying to give me like additional information about how Lance Stroll had like given Renault, like whatever. And I was like, it doesn't matter because it's not in the season that we're looking at. I was like, but it's, you know, it sometimes Netflix does leave out that context that is important. Like I said, they are one of the oldest names in F1, second only to Ferrari. Everybody else came after them. They're an all team. Now, they do have a relationship with Mercedes. They work in the same driving school, but there is, they're not like an official feeder team for Mercedes. Do they pull a lot of drivers from there? Yes. But they're not technically a feeder team. Here's my thing. Williams is to Mercedes as AlphaTauri is to Red Bull. Yes, that's a great... Yes, and he did make that point as well. But again, it's kind of for people who aren't in the F1 world, it's so layered and it's so complicated and you could go down a rabbit hole in every aspect of this sport and it's so easy to do so. So for me, like to keep it on a simpler level for myself, especially like being new to the world and I'm sure just for other people as well to keep it simple until I can get a full grasp of the basics to me, that's the simplest explanation. It's not the most correct, but it's putting me in the right direction, I guess. Yes. With that being said, we're going to jump right in. Dive. She did a little hands <laughs> gesture too. <laughs> okay. So episode one, we are at, it's called the new dawn and we're focusing on Haas. 
So this season, they did a little bit of a different thing. Last season, they've kind of like done, you know, split focuses. But this season, they basically did a team per episode. So Haas is where we are right now, which is great because I think this gets made a joke like several times throughout the season, but they're like, Gunther is the star of Drive to Survive. And I'm sorry, but I don't think they're wrong at all. Nope. <laughs> if I was to get anybody's autograph, it would be Gunther's. Yes. Yeah. It was great. I want Gunther's. It was great. Uh, it opens with Gunther and Matteo in a, <laughs> they're driving around in the Fiat. In Italy, in, in like Italy. the wine country of Italy. And I'm like, yeah. what is even happening right now? Okay. Listen, when I was watching that, all I could think about was Luigi from Cars. <laughs> the accent and every, I'm sorry, maybe that is a terrible thing to say, but like the two of them, the little goofy like interactions that they have in the Fiat, it was just so funny to me. This is the most personality we've seen out of Bonotto, like of all of the seasons I've watched. Yes. Yes. Oh, side note. This was also one of Mark's uh, like complaints, but he said it wasn't necessarily wrong. It was just his opinion. He loves, he likes Bonotto. He thinks we gave him such a hard time. <laughs> he just, in season three and in season four, we didn't spend a ton of time with Bonotto. No. Like in season three, I think the only thing he's really participating in other than like the shit show that was Monza. No, the Italian grand or yeah, the Italian grand Monza. Prix. Yeah. Monza. I think it's Monza. Yeah. How much of a shit show that was for Ferrari and like the thousandth grand prix celebration situation. Mm-hmm. But that was way more about Seb than anything else. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Seb. But anyways, yeah. And then in season four, and so the only other thing we get in season three is that he participates in the protest against Racing Point. That's yeah, all I mean, we got. Makes, so I'm like, he yeah. seems like a schmuck to me. I don't fucking know. Yeah, there's a joke. There's like a running joke and it's the hair thing that he like looks like a clown. But um, I think you will all understand at the end of this episode why that seemed to be a very fitting description of Man- Mateo this season. But anyway, let's move on. We previously talked about in uh, some of the episodes how the technical components are limited to a handful of manufacturers, and Ferrari is one of them. And so Gunther is explaining his relation, his and Haas's relationship with Ferrari. You know, they're using a Ferrari engine, they're using Ferrari parts. He and Mateo have been friends for a long time, and he feels like Ferrari's got a competitive car. He thinks that it will make Haas a competitive car. Um, And he hopes to be kind of back into the midfield with it. Because remember, Haas is kind of a mid to lower tier team. And we get the first time somebody saying that Gunther is the star of Drive to Survive. And it was uh, Benotto, Matteo, which again, not wrong. It's funny to me how many times Gunther is the opening and ending of the episode, even when it's not his team focus. Like... Like, he just has, like, such a bright, shiny personality that sh- comes through on camera so well. He, it does. He it does. He is great on camera. Definitely great on camera. All right. So we get to Secure, which is in Bahrain. That's the mm-hmm. first race of the 2022 season. Max is being a smart ass. Toto quips that it's not a documentary. Yeah, he's kind of giving Netflix shit. He's like, it's close. This show is closer to top 
gun than like a documentary but like he kind of laughs at the end like he's he's just giving him shit i think you know what though like i think it's a fair criticism because a lot of people have that complaint about drive to survive oh it's just drama it's not about the racing and to me who cares who cares if it brings more viewership and more more of a fan base to the sport who cares why does it matter like did I watch it for the drama? Absolutely. But I'm telling you guys, watching those races, I'm absolutely hooked. I love it. I love it. And I know it's not going to be for everybody, but that's a Drive to Survive is a great gateway into racing. It really is. Yeah, it's definitely a good picture of like why anybody would want to watch like cars drive in a circle, yeah. essentially. For two hours. Listen, I was one of those people. I always said, I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever. So, but again, I'm also one of those people who likes the behind the scenes shows like Hard Knocks. I don't even watch football and I like Hard Knocks. So, but I'm, I, I like that stuff. So we get very quick glimpses of the drivers as they're coming in. You see Max, Checo, Toto, Lewis, George, Juki, Pierre, Lando, who was late, by the way, according to Netflix. But again, they piece that shit all together. So who actually knows? I can see Lando being the one who's late. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of believe it, but I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> um, and Danny, we see Danny as well. And I, I want to say, I, I wrote Twist and Shout, but I don't remember why I wrote Twist and Shout. That was entirely in your own head because I don't know either. Okay. Feel free to cut that out if you like. We also saw Lando's girlfriend, mm-hmm. Lisa. I, I, who might have participated in him being late. Just, just saying. I'm like, there's a whole portion of Instagram, F1 Instagram, that is dedicated to the love lives of these drivers. Mm-hmm. And like, they know all the names and every, I don't know that. I don't follow that. There's nothing wrong with that. I just don't follow it. I will say the one thing I do know is that Max's current girlfriend was the previous reigning world champion or previous Red Bull driver stole the girlfriend. It was like a, it's like a weird thing. Yeah. He like stole his seat and he stole the girlfriend. I wonder if he stole the girlfriend or if she just only wants to date the first seat in Red Bull. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Frankly, that is the thing that interests me the least. The least. Yeah. I just thought it was fun. Like, of the dating bit, that's the piece that stuck with me. So, yeah. Honestly, I hope everybody's happy. So it doesn't matter to me. I just, I'm sure that there's little hearts breaking everywhere that Lando had a girlfriend. Yeah. I think more people would be upset if Danny had a girlfriend, but yeah. Yeah, that's sure that was Danny's the only enjoying. reason why I called it out. I was like, uh oh, yeah. <laughs> sad female fans. Lando has a girlfriend. Yes. So um, we are going into what they call a new era of F1. Um, they have changed the regulations, like which basically means they've all had to come up with almost an entirely new car. They changed it so much. They had to come up with all these different technical components, Um, but it is supposed to allow for better racing, more overtakes, faster passes, stuff like that. Now, there is also a portion that they introduced called the cost cap because a big thing that was happening was these major teams like Mercedes and Red Bull who have just like a shitload of fucking money to spend. They were just able to afford so much more than the other teams. And it was just killing 
the other teams. There's no way that they could compete. So they introduced the cost cap to help with that. It doesn't fix it by any means. It's still there. It's supposed to help level the playing field. So it should be for an interesting season. I'm I'm just going to say like... Like when they were talking about this in the show, they were like, yeah, all the drivers were walking by the cars and be like, it's so different. I'm a noob. They all look exactly the same to me. Same. Mark says that to me. The whole side pod thing from last season. What side pod? They all look like side pods to me. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm going to take the drivers and the team principal's words for it that they're so, so different because I'm like, they don't look any different to me, but I also will believe it. I don't know what I don't know. I'm in the exact same boat uh, with you. I definitely, I I don't see the difference either. So um, at the beginning, like during preseason testing, they're doing all these. Okay. So at the preseason testing, they're looking at all the different cars and stuff, but you'll see that there are these metal great looking things attached to the car. Most of the ones that they show, they're attached to behind the front wing. So ahead of the driver, but behind the front of the car. And then sometimes they'll also have them on the back. And it's just supposed to help measure the aerodynamics of the car and the way that the wind is moving around it. So in case anybody caught that and was like, what the fuck is that? That's what it is. That takes us into Friday practice. Toto looks super serious still. I'm pretty sure he's pissed about last season. He looked a lot less stressed last season than he... like. He was almost kind of like carefree a bit is how I would describe it last season. Not so much anymore. Well, we very quickly find out why Toto is not having a great time. Uh, So Christian and Max feel confident. Haas and Gunther, they want to come back. They are cautiously optimistic. I also just, there was this thing where like Max is now the hunted instead of being the hunter because he's on top. He won the championship. And as a driver, that is a new role. That's a new game yes. to play that he's never had to play before. So, you know, this season will be interesting to see how he handles being the one with the target on his back because for so long it was Lewis Hamilton. So can Max I, handle it? We shall see. Mm-hmm. We shall see. We'll see. We get a flashback from three weeks prior. Yeah. I hate that they don't tell this in a linear format. I know. It's so, so dumb. freaking. I it's wrote so my notes dumb. in a linear format because it just hurts my brain to do it any other way. To be fair, this is why your bits are out of order in the outline. Because I wrote it in what was in the episode order. <laughs> yeah. And so I plugged your notes in. And it's out of order because I'm listening to you talk. I'm like, that's not where I put that. I'm sorry. I did put your shit in there, but that's why it's not there. This is why I have my own notes that I am looking at while we're also looking at the outline. You know what? I'm glad because I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I was trying to incorporate it in there. My bad. I'm sorry. I fucked you're, it up. You're fine. So three weeks ago, yes. Ukraine... In, was invaded by Russia. Correct. So there are sanctions against Russia. There was actually, like, they don't talk about this in Netflix, but there was, like, some articles about how there were... Obviously, they had the Russian investor. Everybody knew about the Mazepins. But there was, like, other questions about Haas or whatever. Ultimately, they cut ties with the Mazepins. Um, and then Gunther gets caught on... Like, Gunther gets caught on a hot mic all the fucking time with great shit too it's never bad and uh he's like no more russians i am done with russians until i go from this planet <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny to me i just felt 
bad because imagine three weeks before the season's about to start. And yeah, I don't think he was like super in love with the Mazepin situation to begin with, but to have to scramble and find a new driver. Yeah. And now you're down an investor, a big one. Exactly. Yes, definitely. Ultimately they re-sign Kevin Magnuson, which I think was a great choice in my opinion. I didn't think K-Mag should have been cut in 2020. So just as a reminder to everybody, K-Mag was cut at the end of the 2020 season. So he did not drive in the 2021 season. He has had an entire year off from the sport. Now, I know that sometimes when drivers do that, it does happen. They'll be doing reserve driver stuff or they'll be in the simulator and kind of practicing. I don't know if Kevin Magnuson was doing those things. I would imagine he would have had to have been. I don't think they would have put a driver in a car who had been cold for an entire year. Yeah, I don't know. The only thing the show gives us is that he had a son. He had a kid. Yes, yes. They did kind of... Yeah, they did kind of like give some, you know, context like K-Mag used to be pretty aggressive and angry and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if you caught it. Do you remember me telling you about that exchange where Kevin Magnus? They showed it. They showed it. (laughs) They showed it. I hope you all caught it. Because they did show it where Hulkenberg is like the most unsupported driver on the grid and came at again with a microphone in his face. Oh, yeah. Suck my balls. Yeah. Suck my balls. I was just like, oh, shit. Oh, so funny. He didn't seem Um, angry when he said that, though. I don't know. But like, remember, they're. He's Nordic as well, and they have a different presentation. So I don't know if he came off angry, but it was funny as fuck. It, it doesn't was funny. matter. It was a funny exchange. That is yes. for sure. <laughs> yep. And then um, I also thought it was funny because they showed K-Mac in the car and his engineer was like, you didn't get fat because there is like a whole thing about how much they weigh. Oh, 100%. I don't think think Netflix shows it, but they do get weighed before and after they get out of the race. Like before they get in the car and then immediately after they get out of the car at the end of the race. So you'll see the race leaders, they'll get out of the car, they'll stand, they'll kind of like wave their arms, pump their fists in the air, and then they'll go immediately to get weighed. And then they can go into like the cool down room and stuff like that. So yeah, it it is a big deal because it throws the weight of the car off massively. And I agree having a son calmed. Actually, no, I think that was a little girl. Maybe it was a daughter child. I think that was a little girl, uh, but she is. Yeah. I'm fairly certain this girl, but she's bald. I'm going to go child. Cause I don't remember. And I don't want to accidentally misgender up. Uh, tiny human. But yeah, I think having becoming a father definitely shifted perspective in life a little bit for him. And I think losing his seat might have also participated in that mental shift as well. He's like, wow, I really had it all. And I fucked myself out of it because it wasn't, enti- I don't think it was Kevin's entirely like his fault why he lost his seat at Haas is because Haas needed somebody who could pull in sponsors a.k.a. Mick Schumacher. And then Mm -hmm. they needed somebody and they got this Russian oligarch, allegedly, and he wanted to put his son in the seat. So their hand got forced. Like, their hand got forced. There wasn't, like, he, unfortunately for the smaller teams like that, there really isn't a lot of choice when you come down to it. It's the same thing with Williams. I'm sure the Williams family didn't want to sell. I'm sure Claire Williams felt 
awful that she was the Williams who had to sell the team. I mean, it's 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 a shitty position to be in when you're a smaller team, but you just don't have the money to be able to afford to do the things that you want sometimes. Yeah. So. This is a tangent and you told me about this or we talked about it in the last one and I actually saw a TikTok about it, about how much every driver has been costing their teams. It's a lot of money. We talk about this later. This comes up later. Wonderful. All right. So we are back again at Secure, which is the Bahrain Grand Prix, but we're now at qualifying. McLaren ends up with P18 for Danny and P13 for Lando, which is not great. Haas, Mick Schumacher gets P12. Kevin Magnussen has a hydraulic league, has to put in a time, tried to, it just gets worse. Mercedes, George gets P9. Hamilton gets in the top five. They don't explicitly say which. Um, it doesn't really matter for the next flick show, so we're just going to move on. K-Mag did his flying, like, got the flying lap in, and he got P7. Charles Leclerc got P1. Max got P2. Carlos got P3. Uh, they did know at this point that Ferrari hadn't won a championship in, like, 10-plus years. I'm going to raise my little hand here. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. So, because these cars are essentially brand new, all of the teams struggled a lot in practice. Mm, there was this yes. bounce that every single car had. Mercedes worse than everyone else. Yeah, they did. Race day, lights out. If you are a new race fan, and I don't know if this is true for other types of motorsports, but in F one. Don't miss the first corner of the race. Okay. Like put the race on. If you got to go do something, that's fine. But don't leave the room until you've gone past the first corner. Because generally, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen on the first corner. And it does. It's so entertaining. So much can happen. And you see that throughout this. Well, it's like when the cars are the most tightly grouped and the most overtaking right. in it, like, they're going three, three, four wide sometimes, depending on the track. So it's like bonkers, bonkers. Yes. Checo passes Kevin Magnuson and Hamilton very easily. Kevin keeps locking up and they tell him to box. So I don't know if we've talked about this in the previous episodes, but when you hear the radio driver say box, box, that means come into the pit. Yeah, I deduced that. But well, I know, for I'm the people out there in the world exactly. who had not deduced, <laughs> who have not actually watched the show and are only listening to us, box yes. means come pit. We're going to give you yes. new tires or try to fix what's broke. Generally, exactly. Charles was able to pit and pull out ahead of Max because hitting takes some time. I think it's like 15 to 20 seconds overall. But when they do the like pit stop time measurements, they're talking about like literally car pulls in. That's when the timer starts. Tires come off, new tires on. That's that like two point second that we talked about. Yeah, but they have to drive slower on pit road and things like that. So like the entire time to pit is going to take you like 10 to 15 seconds. Exactly. Charles and Max proceed to battle it out and they ended up actually like swapping the lead like five times. It was nuts. And one of the other things that they mentioned in this episode that again, I'm not sure that we've touched on in this in our episodes before is DRS. So DRS stands for drag reduction system. 
it is something they added in. And I don't think it was this season. It's just not really focused on in some of these episodes. But what happens is, is like when a car gets within a certain like time distance from the car in front of it, it's called DRS is activated, which means that they like little fin on the back of the car, which is kind of sticking up for everybody. When DRS is activated, it drops down. So they get this extra boost of speed and it's intended to promote again, overtaking and more competitive, like battle racing, which I love. And so, it's, a, it's a wing, not a fin. Okay. Thank you. Yes. A wing. <laughs> uh, again, the rear wing, like the center panel opens up, which yes. allows for additional downforce, giving them more speed. Thank you. Much better way to put it. I just know it's DRS. But also, just some side notes, DRS isn't activated immediately in the race. It takes a couple laps for them to be able to do it. Again, you have to be within a certain car length to be able to do it. Yeah. And isn't there like DRS zones on the track too? I believe so. Yes. It's like certain sections that you can do it in because there are other sections that it's obviously not necessarily helpful. uh, safe is what I would yeah yeah like Um, this is gonna do you absolutely no good and actually maybe cause you more problems exactly yeah and so uh back in the race Gasly has something go wrong with his car um and has to it like ended up catching on fire he had to like stop on the side and then it caught on fire yeah, my guess is that his like fuel injection system croaked and maybe he lost the fuel line and fuel line plus hot engine equals fire. Because I'm yeah, guessing I, that these don't run on like normal gasoline. I have no idea. I would That's- assume that they run on some other, if it is a traditional gasoline, it's like a high performance one. Or potentially even like methanol alcohol. I'm not entirely sure. They don't always tell us what's wrong. Even in like, they don't do it in Netflix, but even in like real life, you just like, oh, the engine's blown or puncture or something. Like they'll give you like a very basic response. But, I'm just going based on um, what occurred. He was able to stop exactly. and then it catches on fire, which to me says he probably blew a fuel line. That causes a safety car, which I think, as we've talked before, it allows everybody to get bunched back up. So um, once the safety car ends, turns out there's something wrong with Max's car, and he gets passed by basically the top of the grid. And then Checo blows his engine. Yeah, Red Bull did great into the last seven laps. Exactly. Uh, So the race ends with Charles Leclerc's P1, Carl's excuse me, Carlos signs as P2 and then Kevin Magnuson for P5, which is phenomenal for Haas. That's great. That's exactly where Gunther wanted to be. I loved Gunther's line. <laughs> Kevin, that yes. was a fucking Viking comeback. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. So it was good. Great. And yeah, I think Gunther's really happy to have K-Mag back. I think so too. Because like we said before, they're like Haas is like a tight knit family. Like people don't, leave so to have them like go through drivers like this was a weird thing post race Ferrari looks good looks good you know P1 P2 not bad not bad yeah looks good 
Steiner and Kevin Magnuson. Kevin says, I'm not used to getting lucky with you guys. Not used to that. We keep getting all this shit and this actually... And then Gunther's like, it fucking went our way. <laughs> and they're just astonishment at that fact was so funny to me. Yeah, Haas does seem to get, have like the shit luck so much. I mean, like leading into this season, who would have predicted that Russia would invade Ukraine and there would be all these sanctions against Russia and he'd have to scramble and get a new driver. But he did. Yeah. But he did. I mean... It- Haas is the like perpetual underdog in my opinion. Like a little bit, just, yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to episode two. Bounce back. Just a little bit of the what what do you call it? Double entendre, I guess. Um irony. Irony, that's a better version. Yeah, I like that. Uh so we open with Toto at Harvard Business School. And they're he's doing a, a chat. But I also thought it was funny that a woman told him or asked him permission previously to name her dog Toto Wolf. And she did. And she brought Toto Wolf the dog, who, by the way, I agree, was a very fitting name. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. name uh, one of your dogs Toto Wolf? I was just about to say that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I also almost named a dog. We had a lot of F1 related names um, to choose from. We had Toto. Um, we were toying with Schumacher, but we were going to call him Shumi for a little while. Uh, we had a lot. And then we even had, like, we fostered a dog. We named him Seb um, for Sebastian Vettel, which I love that name. And that dog was so freaking cute. <laughs> it was perfect. It, it fit him so well. But yes, so I get, the, I get the appeal of naming your dog Toto Wolf. But also that's something I think only like regular F1 fans would catch was they were shooting this opener, which there's an F1 theme song and it's my favorite thing in the world. I love it. My husband tries to fast forward through it every time. I don't know why I enjoy it so much, but they play the theme song at the beginning of the race. Okay. And then they do these like slow shots of the drivers and they all look so ridiculous. It is hysterical to me. Okay. Okay. And, and their context for theme song. Is it slow? Is it like a nineties R and B jam? Is it like Kronk singing his own theme song in Emperor's new groove? Like what is the, what is this theme song? Okay. It's like a trumpet type fanfare bit. Okay. So it's like, it's, it's upbeat. It's like punchy. It's fun. Okay, literally, the only thing that came into my mind is like the little sound for Monday Night Football. The editing Melissa here. So Jill and I straight up went down a twenty-five minute rabbit hole about the F one opening theme song situation. Um, it is hilarious. Everyone needs to watch it. I have put a link in our show notes about it. So please click through to the YouTube link and just just watch this and you will understand how and why she and I went down this ridiculous, insane rabbit hole. Adios. Back to the thing. Okay, so Buxton and Toto are also talking about how these are completely different cars. They look totally different. Again, Mel, we talked about how, like, 
cannot tell the difference. I'm with you. No. And but I'm not going to worry my pretty little head about it. It is a car. It goes fast. That is all I care. Yep. Exactly. But they did make a point that the pressure this season is really on the engineers and the team principals. Because this is all new car. Like they all have good drivers, but you have to be able to put a new car on there and they're all new regulations. So it's going to be difficult. I'm sure everyone is expecting bumps in the road, but it's going to be difficult. Okay. So we do a little bit of a, like a, I don't know, spotlight on George and a smidge on Hamilton. George is 24 this season. Um, he's really excited. It's his first season in the Mercedes seat. Hamilton is less enthusiastic. But he's he also jaded. very, yes, yes. He also very, very much feels like that the 2021 season championship was taken from him. And if I'm being very honest, there is a large camp of people who will like say that he is an eight time world champion, even though he is a seven time world championship because they feel like he was robbed because it was such a controversial way that the race ended that season that they're like, this is bullshit. So that's the thing. Yeah. I'm going to make the argument of whether FIA had let all of the lapped cars take their lap backs or not, even because they did this weird split thing that they did that one time and never again, the outcome would have likely been the same if they had moved all of the lapped cars or just the ones between Max and Hamilton. So like, I understand that it was a weird ass decision, but especially when it comes down to a single race and a single lap, crazy things can happen. I don't think Hamilton should have a single bit of like upsetness. Like, I don't think he should have any kind of negative feeling to his 2021 season. He raced really, really hard. He performed incredibly well. And literally it came down to the last lap of the last race of the season in a very intense way. You know, sometimes it's just not your day. Or as my mom would say, the race gods are not smiling on you. Exactly. Exactly. I feel for him, but it sucks. It just sometimes it just doesn't. The cards don't stack in your favor. It just doesn't happen every time. And I think I think him being upset is a little bit him being and I I don't mean this like specifically about Hamilton. I think every single driver would act this way if they were in Hamilton's shoes of being a little bit of a prima donna and not getting his way. Absolutely. So at first test session, everybody, all the drivers go out and they are all giving negative feedback. Every one of them. They're all saying that the cars are bouncing, which is what you will become to know as porpoising. Yes. So they give a little shot of it where like of some of the drivers and they are literally bouncing up and up and down. Violently bouncing. Yes. Yes. And the thing that I think people have to remember or keep in the back of their mind, they're going like 200 miles an hour, y'all. Okay. They're going 200 miles an hour and they're bouncing up and down like a fucking rubber ball. Porpoising is when the car is too close to, like they're trying to go faster and to go faster, you have to be close to the ground, but they're too close to the ground, which is what's causing the porpoising. But if you raise it, they're going to go slower. That's like the very, very basic explanation 
that they gave. I think that that explanation is garbage. Why? Because that doesn't make like, so they're trying to say that by being closer to the track, being closer to the ground, that's creating an air drift underneath the car that is resulting in the bounce, AKA porpoising. In theory, sure, but it more likely than not has something way more to do with the suspension in these cars and how the, the down pressure works and how close you are to the track sure definitely has a portion of it but it much to me has to do with the suspension i think Maybe. netflix just didn't want to get overly technical so they gave like a one percent answer on it but as somebody who actually knows more about cars and i'm like it's not just because of how, the distance between the bottom of the car and the track that's bullshit yeah, I'm sure it was a very basic answer, but I like I'm not an engineer. I am not like I, I don't have the skills to really be able to even accomplish. So I'm going with I'm just going off what I see that or what they said, because honestly, I don't know. I thought it was funny, though, because like there were comments about it and they said oh, like somebody compared it to ACDC, like they were rocking out to ACDC. And George compared it to Pimp My Ride, which I thought was so funny. That he even knew what my ride was. Why not? It's like a cultural phenomenon. But he's like 10 years younger than we are. Like that is a significant change in television there. So he was a child instead of a teenager when he watched it. I guess. I don't know. I work with somebody who is a handful of years younger than me. And some of the things that I'll say, he just looks at me like I'm crazy. He's never heard of it before. So I'm just surprised. Lando kind of says it's kind of, it's difficult to figure out like how quickly it can be fixed because he, as a driver, doesn't understand it all himself. But again, it's also a very technical issue. So you don't really know how long it will take to be fixed. But ultimately, like everyone, because all the teams were having this problem, everyone goes back and makes some tweaks. Everybody kind of looks good except for Mercedes. Uh, everybody's, it, I wouldn't say it's totally fixed. It can't, like, you're never going to 100% fix something like that. But it's way better, way better. Yeah, this is why I think it has nothing to do with the distance, like how close the car is to the track, because no, no team is going to sacrifice that level of speed for that. They're going to fix something. They're going to tweak something else. Another theory I have is it because they talked about having the new wings. So there's the front wing, which is, you know. Yeah. And then the back wing and that creating different types of downforce. Maybe it's like the addition of the DRS system or something like that, that could be potentially contributing to the problem. I do think they had DRS a couple years before. They just never really talked about it in Netflix. So True. But that coupled with all of the other changes. Yeah, definitely probably had something to do with it. Christian Horner points out who's the team principal for Red Bull in case you forgot that Toto's never been here before. Mm -mm. Like Toto came into Mercedes when they were already winning and has been that way the entire time. So this is new for him. But also Christian really takes the minute to point out how like Mercedes just crushed everybody for seven years and then kind of delightfully laughs because he is very much enjoying watching Toto struggle, which was kind of funny, but also very much goes into the whole Christian Horner is like an asshole thing. But I find him funny. I like him. I like him as the villain. Yeah, there's a little bit of villain energy in there, but also like she's not wrong. The Toto has like 
in 21, they had a, they struggled a little bit, but they got their shit together pretty early in the season. They've never struggled like this. They've never had a car that was not a top performer under Toto's like, and how this is a big test for Toto of how he's going to handle this additional pressure and how he's going to motivate the team through these challenges and how he's going to handle himself and how he relates to the other teams. We'll see how that goes later. Merck can't stop porpoising montage. Imola, race number four, Merck porpoising. Hamilton is P14 which is shocking for a seven-time world champion and gets lapped by Max. And at the end of the races, like, and I quote to the media, weekend to forget. Barcelona, again. They, I don't even think they announced who it was. Same thing. He was like, what's the point? Monaco gets P8. Buxton points out they are in huge trouble. Buxton, for those who are just joining us, is Will Buxton. He is one of the media presenters, uh, very well-known in F1. Also, everybody kind of likes to hate on him. So there's that. Because he's Captain Obvious? Yes, Captain Obvious. But at that point in Monaco, there are third in the Constructors' Cup. Let's also just point out, when we talk about Mercedes being third, there's like literally a 150-point difference between them and fourth. So like, I'm going to take this like they're in trouble with a little bit of a grain of salt because clearly both drivers are consistently scoring points. They may not be P1, P2. They may not be getting podiums, but they're consistently scoring points enough to put them that dramatically like it's not even a contest for third. Yes, but I think it was at a time period where they have been on top for so long. Like this was the point where the cracks were cracking. Right. You can't be on top forever. I know you can't be on top forever, but like when it's happening, your heart, it's hard for them to recognize it themselves, but everybody else is watching it. I think it's astonishing to them and they don't know what to do with themselves. They really don't. That brings us to Baku. Again, they're third in this constructors cup at this point and this is definitely like i just said a brand new place for lewis to be in and then there's this weird kind of out of touch moment a bit i think where george and hamilton are discussing how hard it is to not be winning but at the same time i i get it they need to go touch some grass like the entire i get that like their job is to win races yes correct however common I don't think anyone is pointing at them and saying, you're not doing your job. The car isn't there. The car, like they are struggling with the car. Uh, You highlighted my point down here, but I can just say it now. Like I get that the car is not in the great place. A, you guys are still consistently scoring points because you are fucking third in the Constructors Cup. So chill the fuck out. Two, you just have to keep working at it. If you get defeated being like, oh, well, I haven't won 17 races this season. So like everything is shit. Then like, where's your sportsmanship? Where You cannot have this bad of an attitude when it comes to shit like this, because your car is not always going to be perfect. Your job as a driver is to do the best you can with what you've been handed to you. I'm sad for Hamilton whenever he's no longer in a Mercedes seat and not in one of the top three teams of F1 because he's never going to survive in a mid-tier team and not have the best of everything. He's so used to having the literal best of everything. He is acting like a baby. He and George are acting like little fucking babies. I'm sorry. Okay. I think George is kind of like, it's not 
I don't think George is acting like a baby. I think it's just very much like I've joined this team that has a reputation for winning, which is why I want to be here. This is why I'm here. But at the moment, they're not having a great time. So I get it. For him, it's a little awkward. He's like, I'm new here and I'm just trying to do my best and it's not going the way I wanted it to. Now, Hamilton, I agree with you. I get it. Like at some point you do have to get over it, but this is what it, this is like unfolding real time to him. This is, this is the dawn of the realization for him that like, fuck, I am not there anymore. I am not on the same level. And it's not him. Like you said, it's a large portion to do with the car, but I don't know. I would imagine being in his shoes and I'm like, I'm, I'm doing everything that I can. And it's just not flowing the way that it has for seven years. I know he sounds like a prima donna, but I feel like that is just his just genuine reaction. She just did like a cry me the tear face. Like <laughs> it's fine. I like I get it. And I really disliked Hamilton a lot in the beginning, but I don't know. I just I see it differently now. I'm not somebody who's willing to give very many people grace here. And like I think he has a right to be frustrated with the car for sure. Yeah. But to be this negative about everything isn't helping. Part of his job is to stay positive and to keep communicating with the engineers, to keep talking with Toto, to try to make things better. And if all he's going to do is bitch and complain and be like, poor me, I'm not winning. Shut the fuck up. Guess what? There's 19 other drivers on that track who are also not winning. I get that. I do. But Mark and I actually had a conversation earlier and I'm only going to take a piece, a piece of what he said. There are, it was from an interview that Sebastian Vettel did with somebody. And I'll also, we'll also link this in the episode so that you guys can see this if I can find it. There was a discussion about the different types of drivers and how, like, somebody asked him, would he come out of retirement? Would you drive? Like, would you make a real comeback? And he was like, it's really hard to say that because. And it's very hard to con- compare drivers like Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher was in a very different era of car than what is driving right now, than what Lewis Hamilton drove. And then then you've got like Max Verstappen, who is in a different car than what Hamilton has been dominating in for the last seven years. And so there's different types of drivers and there's different ways to do things. So Hamilton kind of falls under this, what they would call a traditional type driver who they're not going to outright say, I'm going to fucking leave if you don't fix this car or I, I'm not going to listen to your team orders. I'm going to do what I want. It's a very much like there's something wrong here. This is bothering me. This is wrong. Or uh, like that's their way of giving feedback. But then the less traditional drivers are the more max, more in your face and like do it's, it's just a difference of driver, I think, and then the way that they're giving the feedback. But at the same time, they all fucking do exactly what Hamilton is doing. Even Max does it. So it's not a unique thing, but I do think it comes down to the type of driver and the type of car. And it's layered and nuanced. It's an onion. I think it is incredibly short-sighted to assume that you're going to be on top for forever. Because there's just so many variables. No, but that's exactly how he's acting. He's like, I'm the best. I should just be on top for forever. I should always have the best of everything. And it's like, you don't have actual control over any of that. 
You only have control over what you are doing in the car. If you don't crash, you're doing a correct job. Yes, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, why am I here? And that's one of those questions that he's asking the race engineers because I don't think it's an entitlement thing. I think that that's just the way that those types of drivers work. I don't know. It sounds a little bit like he feels entitled to just constantly be the best. And yeah, Mercedes has had a historically long high, but you cannot be on top four forever because that is why this is a competitive sport. Is that because other teams, other drivers find new ways to be fast and to be better. Hamilton, like you said, is not unique in this perspective. And that if this was any other driver acting like this and being portrayed this way on the show, I would have the exact same reaction because like it's fucking stupid and short-sighted. And this is just me pulling an old story out of my back pocket. So my brother raced growing up and I remember very distinctly he was being really harsh on himself because he didn't do well at this one race. And we're in the car driving home and my he's sitting in the front seat with my dad and my dad's talking to him. He's like, count for the next mile, count how many cars drive by us. And so my brother does. He's like, every single person in every single one of those cars does not care how you did today. They don't care. I understand that you want to do well. But you cannot allow that desire and that drive to bring you down. You have to use it as motivation to be better. That's a good point. I think he does. I think it's just, I think he's having a hard time accepting where he's at right now. Well, I know. go to a therapy session. I don't know. As a reminder, we're in Baku. So it's race day. Russell's is start. George Russell is starting MP5. They show Hamilton like bouncing all over the place again. I mean, it was bad. It was not good. The car is shit. It was bad. Max wins. Chaco gets P2. George gets P3. Great for George. I was super excited about him. They catch Toto apologizing over the radio. And Toto isn't somebody that you hear over the radio very often. Mm -mm. But that is one thing that I will say about a lot of the team principals and even the drivers, they very much like accept responsibility. In my opinion, they're very, like, mm-hmm. and Toto says, he's like, the car is bad. Like we have to fix the car. Mm-hmm. Kind of with all those car things happening with Merck, there are rumors flying that Hamilton is going to leave if they don't fix it. They're also concerned that he's having a crisis of confidence, which I think is both things are happening. They are not mutually exclusive, in my opinion. No, I don't think they're mutually exclusive either. I think anytime a team struggles and they have somebody at the level of like a Hamilton, yeah, people are going to talk and be like, oh, are they going to jump ship? And unless you're Danny Ricardo, no, they typically don't. That's different. That's different. We will get there. I'm talking about Renault. I don't think he's having a like a crisis of confidence with himself. He knows he's a good driver, but like he can't drive through some of the shit that we're seeing. Like that's not on him. It has nothing to do with him. Agreed. But I think as an athlete, I think I would have a hard time. Like if I'm not getting the results that I want, like, yeah, the car is part of it. But like, I think I would still partially blame myself if I wasn't where I wanted to be, especially with how much work he has put in, how how much work they all put in. You know what I mean? But there's a discussion that like a side note discussion that Christian's having that gets caught on camera and they're discussing like, okay, well, if Hamilton does leave, who do they have to replace him? And that's a fair question. We play this game all the time. 
right now. Like in F1, I'm like, well, if so-and-so leaves, then who is going to replace them? It's really difficult because like certain people leaving teams is going to cause the entire grid to shuffle. It makes a big difference. And so like if, if Hamilton left, it would be a big deal. It would be a really big deal. Yeah, but where would Hamilton go? Exactly. So here's my theory. Hamilton will either, one, retire from Mercedes and that's it. He's done. He's never going to drive for another team. He'll get, he'll get his eight if he can get it and then he'll retire. If not, I think the only way he would continue because where else are you going to go? I just don't see him going to a mid, midfield team. I think the only, only team that he would consider is Ferrari. Only because it's Ferrari. And I don't think he would do it for very long. I think it would be a checkbox so he could say he drove for Ferrari. But Hamilton is also considered one of the best drivers of all time, hands down, period, ever. Fair. Yes. So I think whenever Hamilton wants to retire, he can fucking do it. You know what I mean? He's made his bag. Like he can retire whenever he feels like it. He I don't think he's ready to retire. Fight. No. Mm-hmm. But when he is, I I'm more in the camp of I don't I know Ferrari's like a big team and everything, but I don't see him feeling that need to check that box. I think he'll just drive like I think he's going to drive for Mercedes for his entire career and then be done. I'm with you. That is what I think will happen. And um, to me, like the chance of him actually going to Ferrari is so slim, it's not even a, a real possibility. But if that was the only, like, that would be the only thing I could see him considering staying. That's it. Everything else, he's like, no, nah, I'm staying. I'm, I'm staying with Mercedes and I'm going to retire here. Yeah, potentially. But again, I, I don't know. So anyway, we're going to move on to the next part, which I was very, very, very excited for Melissa to watch because oh, this I is have thoughts. Scene. I have thoughts. Do you want to give the thoughts before? No. Or you want to give the thoughts after? No. We need, we, we need to explain the situation and then I will give my thoughts. Okay. So we are, after Baku, there's an FIE meeting. And it's all the team principals. And they're all discussing. And I don't really, there's not much context given as to why this is happening. This sounds like it's a regular thing. Because in, in regular motorsports, it is very common to have like a crew chief meeting and a driver meeting at every race. And the FIA official, I don't remember which one it was, comes out. It's like, we haven't, we weren't able to do this. So we're going to sit down. I'm shocked that they let Netflix in. Ditto. The meeting opens and obviously this could be totally for editing, but the way it kicked off, like Toto came out guns fucking blazing. In my opinion, he was just ready and raring to go pissing vinegar. Somebody, he was like, Basically talking about how every, like, it wasn't even really clear in my opinion, like initially what he was saying, but he kind of like, I don't know. He starts oh, to he get implies irate. that the fix to the porpoising that all of the other teams have implemented somehow is compromising driver safety. Yes. And I don't, so this is the thing. I don't really understand where he got that from. John and I talked about this a lot because he and I, he watched this episode with me. He He's like, he's like, well, yeah. So my thought is whatever is going on with Mercedes, his engineers, his car people are telling him that the fix 
for their purposing is going to compromise driver safety is that this is why they can't hundred percent take it out or do whatever, whatever needs to happen to make this not be a thing anymore. So Toto is taking that information and assuming that that is the same information across every single team. Now, yes, they have similar regulations. However, every team builds their own car. So what the fix is for Mercedes may not necessarily be the fix for everyone else. I think it's probably a different fix for every single car. So I think that is why... Horner, or not Horner, excuse me, Toto is so heated coming into this meeting is because he thinks that the fix might be the same for everyone and he's pissed if it's true. Maybe. It's possible. I don't know. I mean, do I think that that is a very plausible explanation as to why he was so pissed? Yes, but... I also think he's pissed because he can't fix it and he's pissy because everyone else did and he's somehow behind the ball and he's also pissed about that and so he also thinks that if he comes in with the magic words of driver safety FIA might do something and look into how all of the other teams have solved it and then potentially provide information about how they've solved it without compromising driver safety he's a hundred percent calculated in, in in doing this. And this is why he was fine with it going on Netflix is because he wanted it to be taken incredibly seriously. Maybe we have to tell everybody what happened first because we're just jumping to the end. So Toto comes out blazing, right? Really angry. And this scene has become viral in the F1 world. Okay. To the point where people are making like Taylor Swift type bracelets you know how they do like the first letter of some of each of the like titles? That's what they're doing with this exchange. Okay. This is fucking great. I wish I had, I wish I could do accents. I can't do accents because it makes it better. Christian basically yells, he's like, if you've got a problem, change your fucking car. Toto's like, then you change your car because Checo's been saying your car's fucked. Christian, no, he hasn't. Speak to my drivers. Checo, or excuse me, Toto. Checo's been on the record. Christine says, let's go, get him. Toto's like, I have it. I haven't printed out. And they're talking about an email, okay? Like, and the, the exchanges are just so funny. So funny. <laughs> Toto did a really good job of offending every single other Everyone. team principal. Because yes. literally, they all leave that meeting and they all like pair off. Like, Bonotto and Gunther get together. Like, what the fuck was that shit? Yeah. Because, and this is where, like, I don't think that Toto, like, do I think he was concerned that there was something wrong and hurting his driver? Yeah, absolutely. I don't buy that he thought that they were doing something that was endangering the other drivers. I think he was pissed because he couldn't figure out how to fix it or his team couldn't figure out how to fix it. And this was his Hail Mary to get the FIA to stop everybody else. That's it. I don't. I don't think he was trying to figure out how to fix it. I just think that he didn't like, he just wanted, he was like trying to get them to, it was like, it was almost cheating, like trying to manipulate the FIA into cheating is what it felt like to me. Yeah. I think Toto was playing every single card in his hand and a few up his sleeve. Oh yeah. Oh In, yeah. in this but conversation. I, but I do love if you've got a problem, change your fucking car. Oh, I love it. I love it. Or That's I what, had, like, like printed out. Like, 
Who are you, my 75-year-old father who still prints random things out? Like, what? Exactly. Exactly. What? What is this? Oh, my God. Uh, But uh, he's he's just pissed because everybody else was able to fix it and he can't. But also, honestly, what did he expect the FIA to do? Really? Like, I don't know what he was wanting them to do. Like, they all fixed their shit. It's just you, Toto. So what, like, I don't know. I don't know what he was expecting them to say. But anyway, um, they're hoping we, like, take a quick jump back to Mercedes headquarters. They're hoping they found the fix. They kind of show the machine shop a little bit, which was cool. Like, they didn't show anything, but I would have loved to see, like, the actual machinery, like, doing some stuff. I bet that's a Haas machine. Sorry, I went down a rabbit hole about Gene Haas, but we'll get there. Yes, we'll get there. So we're at Silverstone, the British Grand Prix. Um, Christian was taking like a quick picture with fans and he was like, do you watch Netflix? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you're on it. <laughs> the camera, I thought that was cute. And then, you know, Hamilton comes walking into the paddock, like fully decked out in very uh, chic fashion forward outfit. And then we get George Russell holding up a pair of Union Jack tidy whities and I just thought that that was such an unfair compliment. Like <laughs> you compliment. and George Russell in underwear. They're what so is the mean deal? To him. They're so mean to him. I like they're so mean to George. I don't like it. He's a sweet kid. I don't know if having him have underwear is being mean to George Russell. No, like no. See, this is the thing. They did it last time with the underwear. They're giving it to him again. Like, Netflix doesn't have to show that. Netflix is fucking with him. Hamilton was the one that gave him the underwear. I don't think the underwear is as big of a deal as you think it is. I think you just are very much obsessed with George Russell and underwear. And No, I'm not obsessed with the underwear. I don't care about that. I just think that they're mean to George. Everybody hates on George. I don't like it. I don't don't see that. I think... It's just funny that he has like this underwear motif for no reason. Netflix. Anyway. Anywho, we're going to, we've gone down so many rabbit holes. I know. It was funny though, because like George and Danny were standing next to each other, like signing autographs. And then Danny wrote on his back and he's like, did you just draw a dick? (laughs) I I wouldn't put that past Danny, honestly. I wouldn't either. I I feel like it's a little bit more of a Lando thing. But I wouldn't Maybe. put a pissed. I don't know. I like if I was going to pick anybody to draw a dick, it would be Danny. Lendo would be next. Like the two of them are very highly suspect. This is George and Hamilton's home race again. They're both British. We're in Silverstone. Mm-hmm. It's a England. lot of people's home race. Hamilton starts P5. George starts P8. And then Joe Guan Yu starts P9. Okay, wait. Make comments. Yep. Uh huh. Go ahead. So when they like bring George and Hamilton and Lewis out onto the track to do like a wave, did you also see the poster that said "Yes, the porpoising"? It had like a dolphin. I cracked up when I saw that. I literally lolled. Did you catch anybody else, by the way? Uh, I do have a note in here. Was, why is Tom Cruise there? And I have one that says Tom Cruise and vomit face emoji. I'm not so. I'm not entirely sure what Tom Cruise was doing there at all. This we'll kind of get into this later when we like go into Miami in depth. But like every once in a while, you will see celebrities in the paddock. Generally, in most races it's like a handful every once in a while or you won't see any at all or you won't know that they're there silverstone you'll see a little bit more because it's just such a well-known race and a lot of like very famous british people will go out there 
there was like a Jeremy Clarkson, I think was at Silverstone last year and made some fun comments. But Tom Cruise shows up and he's one of those guys that like the exchange. I remember him here, like talking to Toto and asking him questions. I'm like, shut up. You don't deserve to be in the paddock. If you don't know the answer to that question, you don't deserve to be in the paddock, Tom Cruise. Get out. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly why he was there. But like, yeah, when we go to Miami, like a ton of like American celebs go. But that's probably because it's Miami. TBH. Listen, I have this like thing. I don't like it. I don't like I don't care that celebrities can go and afford to be able to do all those things. But it pisses me off that like all these other people who are not actual race fans. You're just taking up spots. They're so fucking expensive to go in the first place, especially here in the U are like on this side of the fucking continent. It's like Taylor Swift tickets. God damn it. They're so expensive. It's cheaper to fly over to the UK and go to a race there than it is to go to fucking Vegas or Miami. Sorry. That was a totally unrelated rant. And I just hate ticket prices. Clearly. Clearly. So lights out. Hamilton gets up to P3 super quick. George gets a slow start. But again, first corners, people. First corners. So we had a big ass crash. Zhou Guanyu uh, touches with Russell. I think it was Russell. It's really it hard Russell. sometimes to see. Okay, yeah. Zhou and Russell touch and he ends up like flipping the car and he skids across the ground. Basically upside, upside down. down. It was nasty. Yeah. It was. And he flipped and, like, over the safety barrier. Yep. It, like, upside down. I want to say it like flipped like three times. Like, and not head over head. It was like side over side. Yeah. Hit the, hit the middle fence and then popped back into the tire wall barrier. And he was just kind of like trapped in between the two. Mm-hmm. And again, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. George got out of the car and ran over there. And he said in the, inter- or in like his like little spotlight interview was that he knows how scary it is. It's like claustrophobic being trapped in a car like that. And I can only imagine, I can mm-hmm. only imagine. I will say though, I did like, this is obviously editing. I, I did watch some of the season and I, I vaguely remember that it was very quick that we learned that he was okay. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, Grosjean's accident previously like where there was a few minutes where you're like oh my god what's happening like it was relative like I want to say he said over the radio that he was okay yeah but they interviewed Joe about it and he was right he was like he survived one of the biggest incidents in history it was like a big deal very expensive and he said he was grateful that George came over and was there and I thought that was a nice moment because again I don't think that they show that like all of these guys tend to have relationships. They're not all besties, but mm-hmm. like they do have some kind of concern and respect and relationship with the other drivers. Yeah. Nobody wants anyone to get hurt. Like that yeah. is not anyone's intention any day they go out on the track. They want everybody yeah. to to walk home that night. Exactly. Big ass crash. They have to restart the race. Because it happens in turn one. So like no one's... They, they go back to square one. It's like the race exactly. hadn't started. Exactly. Because every, so there's different sectors within the race. And sometimes they'll measure it. Like you'll see during the race, they'll show at the bottom of the screen. They'll be like, oh, George is fastest in sec- sector one. And they'll have like the other drivers who are doing well. And like, they'll show the comparison and stuff. But 
because not everybody had made it all the way through sector one. It wasn't complete. So that's why they had to start at the back beginning, which is fair. It's the rules. That's how it works. But it fucking sucks for Mercedes because Hamilton had jumped up to P3 and he had started at P5. They go out. Hamilton's doing well. Max has some kind of puncture or there's something wrong with his car. It's never really made quite clear what is wrong. But Carlos Sainz takes the lead. Charles is right behind him. And then Alcon has to stop. There's something wrong with his car. He pulls over onto the side and safety car comes out again. Briefly talked about safety car strategy. When the safety car comes out, all the cars get bunched up. Most teams take this as an opportunity to pit without losing their place because you have to pit at least once every race. Hamilton says his tires are fine, but he was told to put to pit anyway, and they put softs on. That's the soft tires. That means they are they have more grip than the other ones. As he's exiting the pit lane, Hamilton even says he was like, I think they put the wrong tires. He's like, are you sure you put on the right tires? Like he's questioning the decision. Battles it out with Checo, ends up back down to fourth. They're pushing each other on and off the track. Charles Leclerc and Checo are back battling it out at this point. And they are the ones pushing each other off the track. And everyone's kind of focused on those two. And then all of a sudden, you hear Crofty, who is the main Sky Sports announcer, come across. He's like, and through goes Hamilton, which is another like big phrase that he says all the time. When I watched that, I didn't even really pay attention to the fact that Hamilton was right the fuck behind them. Because when everyone was paying attention, he just like slipped right through. There was lots of good driving, lots of good battles. Uh, it ends up with Ferrari in first. They didn't clarify who, and I didn't take the time to look it up. Red Bull got second. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that's Checo because Max was doing really poorly with his car. And then Hamilton got P3, but he also got fastest lap. Mm-hmm. And... This was also his record-breaking 13th podium at Silverstone. Good job, Hammy. Yes. For anyone who is confused, uh, this took me a minute, and we kind of talked about this earlier. When they say, like, oh, it's his 13th podium at Silverstone, and initially, my brain means he's won Silverstone 13 times. No, that is not correct. That means he has won one through three at one point, 13 times. So not doesn't mean he won every race. Just means he got, he placed in those races. Just for clarification, if anybody wants it. So post-race, George was like, the fight was there. The fight was in the car. And that was great. Also something that slipped out, which I forgot, is that Lewis Hamilton is actually Sir Lewis Hamilton. He's been knighted. He has been knighted by the Queen. Hamilton also kind of throws out there, he's not going anywhere. He's yeah. staying with Mercedes. Like, he like and we confirms about that he's not, he's not leaving, he's not retiring. He is very loyal to Mercedes, which is why I said if he was going to go anywhere, it'd only be to Ferrari. But I don't see him doing that. But also, Toto kind of like you hear this conversation between him and Susie, and they're talking about like how weird it is that he's excited about third. And I was like, well, I mean, I guess that's the adjustment you got to make, you know? Mm-hmm. That concludes episode two. That brings us to episode three, which is matter of principle. And we are focusing on Ferrari this episode. And Benotto. Yes, Benotto, which was actually like a slightly other complaint that Mark had because he was like, I like Benotto. You guys are ragging on Benotto. 
Well, everyone's entitled to their own opinions. That's exactly what I said. He was like, you don't, he was like, I'm not saying you have to correct it, but I just, I like Bidoto. I'm just saying that the way that he has been betrayed on Drive to Survive by oh, Netflix, yeah. he looks like a schmuck. And we're going to mm-hmm. get to talk a lot about that in this episode. Also, I have thoughts on that as well. So, yes. All right. They open with Miami. It's the first ever Miami GP. Mm-hmm. And we see Charles and Carlos filming a shell commercial or Which some was kind of shell promomo. Fucking clear. <laughs> yes. Also, Charles cannot shut the fuck up. Like, Carlos is trying so hard to concentrate and get the lines right. And Charles is in the background, like, fucking revving the car engine and shit. And, and like, they literally said it several times and he kept doing it. I was like, God, you're a fucking child. So as they're walking into this, like, you see this kind of very Super Bowl reminiscent, right? Like scene at the beginning of Miami, like Christian Horner and Jerry Hallowell are walking in and he's like, what is this? And she was like, it's meant to be like a football opening. And I think she meant like a soccer opening, but like, really, I was watching it and it was very, very like American style sports thing. Yeah, it's definitely gave me like kickoff to like the Super Bowl kind of vibes. It's very American and very Miami. I mean, and I don't mean that in the worst way, but like I, I I feel like I remember the the like pre race stuff that like that they film with the drivers and whatnot, and it was awkward. All the drivers were awkward. It wasn't the typical like pre-race shit. I just didn't love the way it came off. But anyway, we'll move on. It's neither here nor there. I think they're trying to make F1 palatable to the NASCAR people with this. Why bother? Yeah, but yes. Anyways, moving on. So we're at Miami, the race day setup. This is okay. F1 is excited to have another American race though. Like FAI is. Yes, he is super excited, very excited. There is this like very briefly, like they set up the stage and it has like fake water on it and they have fake boats on it and it was so dumb. It looked really dumb. You don't see it a whole lot in Netflix, but it was stupid. Anyway, it was very, it was such a hyped up race. And if I'm being honest with you, it was such a dud. It was boring. Netflix made it sound so much better than it actually was. And there were celebrities everywhere. I don't know why they included a shot of Paris Hilton twice saying that's hot. Like, come on, who the fuck cares? She doesn't care. Why are you there? I don't like it. Go away. I want to see people who give a shit. I really do. Like Dax Shepard and his wife, they are actual F1 fans. I'd love to see those two out on the on the show. Mm-hmm. Love it. I think it's to show like the Americanness of the Miami GP because... Also, so there is another race in the United States in Austin. It's at Circuit of the Americas. It is not the same vibe as Miami at all. And it's been around for a a few years now. It's not new. I wouldn't classify it as like a new Grand Prix by any means. But it's also like, I don't know. I might be biased. No, I'm with you. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way that Miami came off. Yeah. It, they tried to make Miami look like L.A. I guess. With all the celebs and stuff. And I'm like, that's not like, yeah, people party in Miami, but it's not the same. Charles and Carlos do this also thing where they're like in a Ferrari right before the race. I mean, not right before the race, but like before the race. And they spin out. 
And then he's like, she's angry. It's like, no shit. Yeah, maybe stop trying to kill people. Yes, y'all go look up those clips because there was a whole lot more than that. And it was really funny, especially with Charles driving and Carlos being in the passenger seat. He was terrified. It was great. Go look it up. Okay, so we're at race day. I believe Melissa noticed something specific. Uh, I, I specifically wrote a note of, did, A, did you see the big Rick Energy shirt? And two, do you need one? Um, I don't have a big Rick Energy shirt, but I would love one. I didn't see that. I thought you were going to say something else that I also saw. I feel like you need the big Rick energy shirt, but also, so they play the national anthem, but that's like normal for American and at other tracks. They play like whatever the country they're in's national anthem. And Danny was like straight up rocking out to the national anthem. (laughs) I'm like, Well, and I want to say like, was it Hamilton who had AirPods? Yes. And I'm like, Hamilton. I'm pretty sure there's probably no sound coming through them, but yeah. Okay, so it was either that or this was editing. This was Netflix editing. Yeah. And I was like, because I don't see either of them being disrespectful like that. I, a, I don't think Danny dancing and f- feeling the national anthem is disrespectful by any means. I don't. Especially but, when yeah, like Americans are uh, incapable of singing the national anthem correctly. I'm going to put my marching band kid hat on for a second. The national anthem is a march and is not meant to be sung like a pop song, but everybody does. It's simple. It's simple. It's supposed to be simple. I did think it was funny that he did that, though. Danny does love America. He likes he considers himself a cowboy. So I I can see him getting into this. When we get to Austin, we're going to talk about that. Oh, I know. Lights out. Everybody's going. Carlos quickly gets passed by Max. Max catches Charles, takes the lead. Checo's coming for Charles. All the things. This is probably all like lap one. Yeah, I mean, it feels like lap one. But eventually, Max wins. Unfortunately, what happened is that Ferrari started doing Ferrari things and made a really really bad strategy call. And I'm not going to go into all the details because Netflix can like break it down for you. Otherwise we'll be here forever. They told him to stay out and they shouldn't have. They're like, there was a bunch of shit that should have happened. They didn't. And it was, it was dumb. It was a really, really dumb mistake. And everyone, all the team principals, all the drivers, everybody afterwards was like, what the fuck? Why did they do that? It made no sense. Yeah, these in Q montage of Ferrari making bad decisions and Red Bull winning. Also, they did play a very short clip of the Dutch dance national anthem. Get used to it, people. Get fucking used to it. Okay. Uh, what about the part where Carlos is like, "I'm gonna go full Latino mode" <laughs> when they were playing pickleball? Yeah, like I. I thought that was funny because he was like, he's a bad loser. And I was like, I didn't see that, but okay. I'm going to go full Latino mode. <laughs> I love it. I love me some Carlos Sainz. I know. He has really, really grown on me this season. I didn't care about him last season. I don't know. He's just grown on me. Because, like I said earlier, like they made a really shit call. Okay. So cue compilation of Ferrari doing dumb fucking shit. Okay. Yeah. And I've talked to friends who are like, Ferrari didn't do that bad. It's like, no, technically, like they didn't. I'm like, but you watch this and you're like, what the fuck are was you Was it doing? in Monaco where they told both drivers to essentially pit at the same time, but yep. they only have one 
fucking pit stall and they just totally fucked everyone over yes that's exactly what happened it was and it was the next bit it was the next scene charles was leading okay carlos is behind him and they told carlos to box okay then in very quick succession they tell charles to box and then as he's entering the fucking pit lane okay you can see the paddocks as he's like coming in they're like no no no, stay out stay out and he's like what why what are you doing rightfully fucking so like what is going on it was bananas absolutely bananas red bull wins charles didn't even get on the podium and he said he was like no words we can't do that again and then Benotto says, like, the strategy is on the team principal. I've been told that the team principal isn't the one who makes those decisions. It's the strategy team that relays those decisions to the team principal. And then the team principal, like, gives the principal the options. And then he is the one that decides what to do. He's not making good choices. No. Mm-mm. No, no, not at all. Then we see Baku. Same shit. He was the race leader, had to retire the car. Max wins. Montreal, they stay out again. It's the same mistake as Miami. They do it again. Max wins again. Yeah, it's just the same shit over and over and over again. And it's like, the car is good. You've got two great drivers. Stop making stupid choices. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. Welcome to Ferrari. Welcome to Ferrari being Ferrari. Oh my God, it's so frustrating to watch. At this point, we are at Max, Sergio, and Charles are the top three. Um, And then we, at the very bottom, see a name that we haven't seen before pop up. It's Fernando Alonso. He is now number 10. Oh, yeah. We get the pickleball mode, and he's like a full Latino mode. Love it. And then we get to Silverstone. The rain is pouring down, which it's it's a little funny because Mark's thunderstorms are like our rainstorms here in Florida. (laughs) It doesn't compare. It's not the same thing. But anyway, people are spinning all over the place. That's a difficult thing to deal with. Rain is awful and like also makes the race insanely interesting for a fan because it's just like crazy. People are spinning all over the place. Charles gets P3 and Quali and Carlos Sainz gets P1. So he's going to start race day. And they're going to start right behind, like one behind the other, which is not a bad thing. Correct. Not a bad thing. You want a lockout like that. Carlos is going to end up getting P1, which means he will start race day as P1. So we're super excited for him. And race day comes. Carlos takes off and Max very quickly takes over, which sucks. But this is also the same race as Joe's crash. So he gets a second chance. So we get to start over. He's able to hold Max off for a little bit. Then he has to go off track. Like he kind of gets pushed off. So he kind of cuts off the track, gets back on. But then eventually he gets back in front of Max. And then... Ferrari stupid team order bullshit with Carlos happened or with uh, Charles happened. It's like there's a lot of back and forth. There's like way more detail into it, but essentially, like they were full on gonna sacrifice Carlos for Charles. Fucking stupid. Because Carlos is winning. He's in the front. Mm-hmm. Why would you prioritize Charles at that point? Charles has more points. Let's be honest. Max is like light years ahead of everybody in the points. He's not going to win. So get the most constructors points. 
This is all just bad strategy. It all boils down to bad strategy. So there is a scene where Charles is like, you don't, you don't ignore team orders. Like, that's it. Like, Mateo gives the orders and that's what you do. And Carlos was like, fuck that shit. And does it anyway. And he wins. He gets P1. Carlos wins. Super fucking excited about it. But Noto's not happy. Not until the camera shows up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure because like they were putting all their basket eggs in the basket of Charles and like it didn't go that way. And this kind of goes back to the whole thing that Mark was talking about, like traditional driver versus new driver. Charles is a traditional driver. You don't question the team orders like you do it. You do what Mateo says. And Carlos is like, fuck that bullshit. No. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Fuck that shit. So. Post-race, you hear Max say to Carlos, which I thought was great to hear, you deserved that. And I thought Mm -hmm. he did too. I thought Carlos drove really great. Yeah. Um, You also hear Bonotto arguing with people about how he made the right call. And yeah. So that's where the episode ends. We're going to leave Ferrari and we're going to jump on to another Haas episode. Yay, Haas again. So episode four, Like Father, Like Son. Gunther, it opens on him. Gunther said something that he says he didn't say, but I heard it. And I, I heard, heard it. You too. heard it. <laughs> I'm sure the rest of the world heard it just like we all did. Um, Gunther is asked about points and all that fun stuff. And he says, he's like, last year for two points, I would have fucked the whole paddock. So hopefully we'll get some more. <laughs> so he's, and the interviewer is like, oh, yeah, well, we'll have to. Do something about Apologize. that language. Apologize yeah. for that language. And Gunther or Gunther turns to the other guy who's there with him. I don't know if he's like a PR guy or what. And he's like, what language? And the interview, the guy's like, well, what did you did you use a foul language in what you just said? And he, you can see the gears turn in Gunther's head. He's like, hug them. <laughs> No, you didn't, Gunther. I you did not I say like, you would hug them. That's not what she said. That's not, not what you said. said, Gunther. It's not mm-hmm. what you said. It's fine that you said the F word. It's just Americans are super not okay with it. This American thought it was hysterical. I so. thought it was hysterical as well. But American media like networks are not going to be cool with you saying the F word. No. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going to get bleeped, but it, it'll be fine. So we do get a, like a quick glimpse of Gunther in North Carolina with his wife and daughter. They're on a jet ski. Okay, did you notice the part where he's like, okay, don't let the dog up here because he's like barbecuing yeah. and the moment and then he walks up immediately jumped up there. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that makes sense. So a teenager <laughs> to pay attention and they don't. So. But he, his wife, I think she may have said it later in the episode, but his wife did mention about how like he's a lot more stressed this year than he was previously. And kind of with good, with good reason, you know? We're going to jump to Jeddah, which is the Saudi Grand Prix. Haas is happy to have a car that is back in the points. If we didn't explain this before, only the top 10 drivers earn points. So you have to be in the top 10 to earn points. So if you're 11 or below, you got zilch. Haas hadn't been doing great. So they were just happy to have a car back in that point. And then we kind of cut to Michael, Sh- or excuse me, to Mick Schumacher. And he wants to be as successful as his father. And they start, I, I know a lot of people know the name Michael Schumacher. And they start talking about him as a driver a little bit. Like I knew the name Michael Schumacher, but I didn't, I knew he was a driver. 
that was it. That's all I knew before I got into racing. Mark kind of, and, and they describe him this way on the show, that he was kind of an aggressive driver. And he was kind of one of those people to get out of the car after a race and like run over to a paddock and kind of like get into what Mark described as a hockey brawl. He said that stuff kind of happened in like the 60s-ish era, but like didn't really afterwards. But then this was like 90s-ish era. And so he was kind of one of those people. A little hot-headed. Yes. And what they don't say as well is that Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, and Fernando Alonso all drove with Michael Schumacher. And they are all now driving with Mick Schumacher, his son. That's kind of crazy. I didn't realize that Michael had been driving that recently. I figured he had retired like a hot minute ago. No, which actually kind of brings me into the next little bit. So they don't talk about this. It's a very like unspoken thing in the racing world. Um, and it I didn't know it either. So Michael Schumacher didn't really retire from racing. He didn't die. There's nothing like that. In 2013, Michael Schumacher and Mick Schumacher were out skiing and Michael had an accident, fell and hit his head on a rock. And even though he was wearing a helmet, he had very severe injuries. That's really all we know about what happened because his family and his wife went fucking radio silent, which is fair. That is their family problem. They 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 can deal with it however they want to. Um, it's not a criticism by any means. But Corinna, his wife, is the one who decides who goes and sees Michael. When I first initially looked up this, that was the la- like there was a a little tiny snippet of someone who had made a quote about how like Michael was still there and fighting, but that was from 2019. So I was pulling some details for this. And they, the last bit actually came from Corinna. The last like update was from 2022. And she was accepting an award on behalf of Michael. And there's a lot more to this quote. I just pulled the first bit, but it's, she says, I miss Michael every day, but it's not just me who misses him. It's the children, the family, his, his father, everyone around him. I mean, everybody misses Michael, but Michael is here different, but he's here. And that gives us strength. I find So very clearly something happened here, but they don't give details. Very, very few people are invited to see him, but I'm sure his father is proud of him and just making it there. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's really sad. You know, you never want to see stuff like that happen. It's just (sighs) tough. Yes. But out of that, we also learn that Mick and Max actually used to go on vacation together when they were little. Mm-hmm. Michael Schumacher and Max's dad was raced together. So they actually knew each other. I think Max did like has a soft spot for Mick as well. He also talks, Mick talks about how Sebastian Vettel is also a friend of his and he mm-hmm. can go talk to him, which I think is really great because especially this era of Sebastian Vettel, that's a good person to go to and talk about tough things. Yeah. And this is too, like, I know this is more about Mick, but like you get to see a little bit more personality out of Max too Mm -hmm. because you can see that there's like good camaraderie and friendship between the two of them and i don't think anyone is like it must be incredibly difficult for mick to essentially live under the shadow of his father one of the most successful race car drivers to ever live and that is a difficult position to be in he's also still very young and i think he is i'm not saying he's not 
worthy of being an F1, but I feel like he should have spent maybe a little bit more time in F2. This is kind of how that's is how I feel about it too. I so badly want him to do well. I really do. Just because he's had a lot of heartbreak and I I want him to be as good as his dad. I want that happy ending to be there because it was so not fair what happened to Michael. I want him to be, but he's not he's not as good as his dad. I want him to be, but he's not there. I agree. He probably could have spent some more time in F2. And I really hope that he is able to get back onto the grid. I really do. I think honestly, running for Haas under Gunther may be a really good fit for him. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like Gunther's willing to nurture Gene, not so much. Because unfortunately, my Mick is costing them a lot of fucking money. Speaking of costing money, they there was a compilation of Mick not, not doing well. But there was one in particular that they didn't actually like specifically talk about. They featured it, but they didn't like spend time on it. In Monaco, he crashed and he ripped the back half of the car off. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, no, I do. I literally wrote in my notes, he ripped the car in half. Not good. That actually... Okay, so you guys saw that crash. It looked it looked terrible. But we also, comparatively speaking, like, like, look at Joe's crash, right? Which was also pretty fucking catastrophic, right? Apparently, Nick's crash cost a whole hell of a lot more than Joe's crash did. Yeah, because there's literally nothing salvageable out of Nick's crash. Exactly. And Joe's, it's not good. It's bodywork. It's not the chassis. Yeah, he didn't rip the chassis in half. And those chassis are not cheap. And that is literally the foundation for the entire car. Also really not good for Haas. Haas doesn't no, have doesn't money. Have, and Gene's pissed. Um, So they have a call. Uh, I think you wrote, you said Gene wants Gunther to talk to Nick and tell him to chill the fuck out. Gene's perspective, it seems to be on this, is that Mick is trying too hard and he needs to not push beyond his limits and he needs to to stop wrecking his car. And I also like, so since we started this show, the name Gene and Haas has tickled the back of my brain because I was like, this sounds so familiar. Why does it sound so familiar? And it sounds familiar for a reason. So number one, Gene Haas actually went to the same college I went to many decades before and in a very different degree. He has a like a mechanical engineering degree. He started and owns the business Haas Automation. So that scene in the episode about Mercedes where they're like machining new parts, that's a Haas machine. That's cool. So it's the biggest tool manufacturing like machines there is. And it's based out of a town my parents grew up in in california uh and gene haas is that he does not only run in f1 he has a lot of sporting like motorsports teams out there so he is a personality like lawrence stroll is kind of that bombastic showy billionaire gene haas is the one behind closed doors who doesn't need to be on camera and he's not at most of these races no that's actually the first time i had ever seen him i always hear him on the phone we hear him on the phone with gunther but gene is he's not it's not about him he wants his race teams to perform well because it looks good for haas it's good marketing Mm -hmm. for his business. Sorry. I I don't know why, but it, I needed to go into who 
the hell Gene Haas is. We're going to jump to Baku. K-Mag has 15 points. Mick has zero. We are still waiting for this poor kid to earn some points. Oh, poor kid. The Constructors Champion in this champion standings at this point is Red Bull, Ferrari, Merck, McLaren, Alfa Romeo, Alpine, Alfa Tauri, Haas, Aston Martin, and Williams. Gunther is worried about Mick losing his confidence, rightfully so in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Race day lights out and Kevin has to retire the car. Bummer. Which sucks. Mick didn't crash. Doesn't crash. Doesn't do well. No, he got lapped. He got lapped by Max. Doesn't do well, but she... Didn't crash. So he, he didn't, didn't cost crash. anything. He didn't cost any <laughs> money. Cost him money. <laughs> we gotta take the small wins here. Gunther is getting hounded by the press as to whether or not Mick has a seat. And if I'm being honest with you, that whole exchange with the German reporter, I thought the guy was so rude. I didn't oh, yeah. I, I didn't understand it. But we're at Silverstone now. Um, Danny makes a comment about how he's charging for smiles, and it kind of made me think I was like, he it's must sad feel like Danny. a woman. Well, no, it made me think it was like, you must feel like a woman where everyone's like, oh, smile. You look so pretty when you smile. I'm sure he gets that shit all the time. Yeah. And it's also we're still hardcore into sad, sad Danny era. So yeah, we're we're definitely in sad Danny era. This is true. But that's the next episode us problem. This is true. This is true. But the big deal about Silverstone is Gene Haas is there. There. He's there. I mean, he doesn't talk to the camera or anything. Like, it's a very brief Yeah, you just see him, him, like, walk by in the paddock. But it's uncommon. You also overhear conversation, a hot mic conversation, where Gunther is talking to Kevin Magnuson about Mick and replacing him. Potentially. Finding somebody new. Kevin suggested Daniel Ricardo and... Gunther was like, no, he wants 10 million minimum. Yeah, Haas can't afford that. Right. And he throws out Nico Hulkenberg's name, which, spoiler alert, and I'm going to pause here. You don't want to know this. Like, hit the 15 skip forward second button. That's who they sign is is Nico Hulkenberg next season. Lights out. Big crash. But Mick makes it through. Yay. Yay. He was not the problem. No, it wasn't him who crashed. It was the... The George Russell Joe yes. crash. We've seen it yeah. literally three times now. Yes. Well, and because you're going, again, you're going through each team's perspective or whatever, but at least we're not going into like great fucking detail again. But I was just surprised that he was able to make it through because there's shit everywhere at that point. Cars are moving everywhere. So I was just glad he got through. But it definitely helped him out because it took out a few cars ahead of him. Finally makes it into the fucking points. He passes Vettel and he battles Max to the end um, and gets P8, which I, my heart was happy for Mick. Yeah. Same. Poor guy. Like, leaves this feeling uncertain about his seat still. And spoiler, he doesn't have it secured. Yeah. But that brings us to the last episode for this part. Episode yes. five. Pardon my French. And we get to talk about and Omar. This is, yes, this is an Omar slash Alpine focused episode, which I also thought was a great stopping point, by mm-hmm. the way. Opener. He left Aston Martin. He is now the team principal to Alpine. They are the only French team on the grid. And just as a reminder, Alpine used to be Renault. Yeah. And Otmar did not leave with very many nice things to say about Lauren Stroll. But... 
why the fuck do all of the teams that Otmar races with have that fucking Pepto-Bismol pink? It's lighter, remember? No. Oh. I'm joking. I don't know. I don't know. This is a good episode. So we are at the Alpine event where they're going to be like showing their new livery and they're talking about the new season and stuff like that. But we meet their drivers kind of like a little bit more in depth. Mm-hmm. So you've got Fernando Alonso, which you haven't really seen a whole lot of before. Mm-mm. He is a previous two-time world champion. This is one of the quote old guys that we talked about last time with Stevie. So as of today, he's like 41, 42 or something like that. And I think we even see it in the episode at some point he gets his birthday. But he is also on his last year of the contract with Alpine. Fernando comes in and he talks about how he doesn't mind being the villain. He's kind of snarky and outspoken and little like I I like that he embraces the villain identity, if that makes sense. I think it's a good role for him. We see Esti Besti, Esteban Alcon. He is the second driver. And then we also get introduced to somebody, which is not something that Netflix has done. They really haven't talked about reserve drivers. But we meet Alpine's reserve driver, which is Oscar Piastri. At this moment in time, he is the reigning F2 champ. They give us another update of driver standings. Oh, P.S., they're spending like $4 million training him to be an F1 driver. Oh, Piastri? Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, like all F1 drivers, that's going to take an investment because even if like going from F2 to F1, it's a massive difference. Like there is a lot of money involved in that. I'm not saying it's the incorrect choice, but Alpine has invested about $4 million into Oscar at this point. Yes. Now keep that little nugget in the back of y'all's brain. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nuggets to keep in the back of our brains for this particular episode. Mm-hmm. They give us the driver standings, but I'm not, I'm not going to go into, or excuse me, not driver standings, constructor standings. But I'm not going to go all of them, but we're because we're only focused on these three. So McLaren is fourth, Alfa Romeo's fifth, and Alpine is sixth. And again, there's like 150 points between fourth and third. Like it's not even close. It, yeah, we're, it, this is the battle that we're focusing on at the moment. Then they do like an Alpine does well montage. So we see Miami, Alonzo passes Hamilton, Akon gets P8, Baku, both drivers score points, and Alpine jumps up to fifth place instead of sixth place. Essentially, both Alonzo and Akon, like SC Bessie, are able to score points. That's the key to being a midfield team. You don't have to have the best fucking driver on the grid. You need two drivers who can consistently score points. That's your best chance. Okay, so then Austria, Akon, and Alonso do well. We're at the French GP, and this is Alpine's home race. Akon collides with Sonoda, gets a five-second penalty, but ultimately they have a decent finish, and they pull ahead of McLaren. So then we jump to Oxford. Alpine owner and Otmar are having a meeting and some sort of discussion. Um, they don't not clear about what conversation this is, but they're having a conversation. So then. Budapest, which is the Hungarian Grand Prix, Grand Prix, comes around and it is the last break before summer. Summer in F1 series season is called Silly Season. And you're going to find out why in just a second. Vettel, Sebastian Vettel, who is at this moment in time with Aston Martin, announces that he is retiring at the end of the season. This was a big surprise to everyone. 
And I was watching, I was watching this season, like as it was airing, this was not like, nobody really saw this coming. It was a big surprise. And I also thought it was funny that Netflix broke it to Checo, which tells me that they were filming these like scenes in between the races, because that was a real reaction in my opinion. It was also a very dramatic video from Seb. It was, and there isn't a lot of context behind it. And I don't remember if they spotlight metal very much in the first like two seasons because we didn't cover them. I, I didn't rewatch them. Sebastian Vettel is also a very good driver. He's a previous world champion as well. It's not like he's some random kind of always middle tier dude. So he's been in the race or he's been in F1 for a long time. And so it's, he used to be a lot more fiery and kind of angry and you got a lot more max vibes from him, like from videos I've seen from earlier in his career. But the battle that I saw is the guy that you saw, like hippie B hotel building Sebastian Vettel. Okay. <laughs> like that's the battle I like. It was, it was a big shock to everybody. So anyway, that's an important thing to know. Silly season is during the summer. And Otmar says he's convinced that Alonso is going to stay without Peen, um, and they want to re-sign him. And then you get this very, very quick scene where it seems like Otmar and Alonso are having a conversation about signing the contract. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, it sounded like, hey, I have to turn this contract in. Like, I'm a man of my words. So I need you to sign it. And Alonzo's being a little shady about it. I I don't know. I kind of got the other impression. I felt like Alonzo was like, is this going to happen? But maybe I need to go rewatch it. I got the impression that Fernando was like, what's going on? Like, why we need to get this done kind of thing. I just need to rewatch it then. I think we just might interpret it both ways. Maybe. I think I think they were both trying to dance around each other because Otmar yeah. is probably responsible. Like, Alonzo probably wants a lot of money and Otmar is open to keeping him. But, you know, maybe Alonzo wasn't 100% happy with where the negotiations landed because it's always a negotiation. And that is what drove some of the next steps that happened. Yes. So race day comes around and there's rumors flying everywhere that there was a meeting between Fernando Alonso and Lawrence Stroll. And then they kind of shift away from that. Focus on the race. Danny is passing the Alpines. Aston Martin also passes them. Ultimately, Fernando gets P8. Alcon gets P9. Danny got P15 and Max won. Post-race celebrations abound. The next day, Fernando Alonso announces that he is driving for Aston Martin in 2023. Apparently, Lawrence had offered Alonso a seat and he took it. Yeah, he probably got more of what he wanted out of the contract with Lawrence Stroll and Stroll's willing to pay the money to get whoever he wants. Uh, I also, this is completely unrelated, but Fernando Alonso to me looks like the <laughs> third brother to like Javier Bardem and I think his name is Dean Morgan. Feel mm -hmm. free to correct me if that is not the correct person. Maybe that was his name of his character on Walking Dead. Was it was it Walking Dead or was it Great's Anatomy? He was on both. I knew he, he was, was yes. He was Denny on Great's Anatomy. That was it. I was like, I knew it was a D name. It was Danny on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, I agree with you. He kind of looks yeah. like the third brother in that situation. Absolutely. <laughs> and he does. That's not a bad thing. They're all attractive well, humans. Also, Fernando is a short king. 
just good for him. Ladies beware. Yeah, just so you know, short king here. We shift over to Alpine headquarters. Otmar is discussing Alonzo's departure with the Alpine staff. This is what everybody is like. He's standing in front of everybody and he's, he's talking like about, yes, talking about how they have a great second seat with Oscar Piastri. And then Alpine tweets that the 2023 lineup for them has been confirmed. And then we get a very quick glimpse over to McLaren where we see Zach firing Danny or is saying he's going to fire Daniel Ricardo, and he wants to pick up Piastri. So then Oscar tweets, I understand without my agreement, Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I am driving for them next year. This is wrong. And I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. Y'all, this happened live. I like that was shots fired. Silly season has kicked off. What the fuck is going on? Nobody saw that coming. Because honestly, what kind of fucking idiot announces that they have confirmed a lineup without all the ink on the fucking paper? I mean, I have theories. Let's hear them. That they did have a signed contract and Oscar walked. I don't think so. I think we get enough out of the next episode, which is not until part two, where Otmar makes some very convincing arguments about how they did, in fact, have a fucking contract with Oscar and he walked away and he and Zach kind of go head to head a little bit. And Zach's a dick. Oh, God, I don't like Zach. I think they had a contract and Oscar didn't like something that happened because why why would you tweet out that it's confirmed if you don't have the fucking contract? Exactly. But at the same time, because that was a it wasn't like there was a period of time. It's like the next day. Well, Oscar tweeted out like very quickly that that wasn't happening. So I find it like, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe they did have a contract. I just find it so hard to like, because usually if you're backing out of a contract, somebody is paying somebody back. And I realize that we're going to touch on some of this later. It's just, I, I don't know. It's a mess. It's silly season. What can I say? We're going to pick this all up right at the beginning of part two. Okay. Before we go and before Mel does her whole like lovely, beautiful spiel. Okay. If you guys are interested in F1, like purely F1 content, there's a ton of great podcasts out there that I listen to. I will give you two of my favorites. The first is Fan Behavior. It's another couple of very cool ladies who started their own podcast and ended up just transitioning fully to F1. I was a pretty early listener and I really enjoyed watching them. So there have been a lot of fun. And then they kind of like deal with the more social type aspect stuff. They comment, like, don't get me wrong. They definitely talk about the races and the engineering and all that aspect. But like, they also enjoy the driver's personal lives like we do. So that's a fun listen. There's another one called P1 with Matt and Tommy. They were previously on a very popular F1 podcast and then kind of broke out and made their own. And they've just become even more successful than they were previously. They are a great source of information. They're also fucking funny and they will record themselves live, like watching or watching the races. And one of them gets it right or curses them. And it's just great. Like the reactions are so fun. 
So if you guys are interested, those are great places to start. There are lots of good information um, and, and just a good, good time. And we'll link to both in our show notes. Uh, But yeah, thank you, everyone. This has been a really fun season to watch. I'm really excited to talk about part two here soon. Um, If you want to know what we're going to be covering coming up next or to learn more about the pod, you can go visit us over on Instagram. Make sure to follow. It's Mel and Jill Geek Out. Or if you have a suggestion for what we can geek out about next, you can shoot us an email over at jillandmelgeekout at gmail.com or just, you know, DM us. all good we'll listen we'll 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 read it um all the kind of fun things but yes thank you so much for listening with us today again my name is melissa i'm jill and this has been mel and jill geek out bye Bye, guys (laughs) 